Welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast. Puckheads presented by Beerly Sports. I'm your host, Phil Razor, and I'm once again joined by the apron, Aaron Kinney, and Nylon's Nate McBride. Nate, we'll start with you this week, my guy. How are we doing? How was your weekend? And uh, what are we sipping on tonight? I don't know how I feel about nylon uh, and aprons. What is my question? Like, yeah, what's, what's he yeah. wearing that's made of nylon? And that's a rhetorical question. I don't need the answer. So <laughs> anyway, I'm doing fucking great. Uh, nice little weekend watching uh, watching what a lot of our you know 30, 30 other teams are doing right now out there playing golf. Was out watching a little PGA Tour golf this weekend at the Memorial Tournament. I'm not going to talk about that topic this time. We're talking hockey tonight, boys. Um, fucking, we're going back to back with the Ricky from Jackie O's. Kind of appropriate because we saw Ricky Fowler out there this weekend. Nice, nice. Aaron, how we doing, buddy? How was your weekend? Dude, I... What are, I, we, what are we drinking? I got to be honest, man. I don't know how we're doing. Um, there's been a lot of shit going on here lately that I'm not sure how I feel about. So I'm taking an optimistic approach here uh, in honor of our new Russian defenseman that we have to hope fucking works out for Columbus. I'm drinking some uh, good old vodka. Tito's actually from Texas, not from Russia, but still you get the spirit. And I got a little bush latte sidecar going on too because I'm just trying to drown my concerns right now. Hey, I love it. I love it. Drown those concerns. Yeah, I think we're all a little concerned here. They're not uh, sorrows yet. They're still <laughs> just concerns, but I'm just hoping yeah. they don't escalate. Yeah, in Blue Jackets country, we're definitely all feeling that way. Boys, I'm just going to uh, post here that I've already had one, and i got to open a second. Corona. So. Nice. I'm about, to, I'm about to have to dive into a second Ricky, so we're both right there. We, we had a like, real solid warm-up before this one tonight, boys. So we're already oh, we're, yeah. we're already each at least one drink deep. We're oh. we're already firing on all cylinders. We're we're ready boys. to go here. And boys honestly had to re and we were talking way too much golf before the episode. I had to retrace I had to it took me a second to get my mind on hockey. So, but I'm I'm here. I'm back now. Let's fucking do this. Phil, how are you doing, buddy? And what are you sipping on? Oh yeah, yeah you already I, said that. You already said that the fucking corona. See? Yeah, no worries. We're we're already sauced, boys. Let's go. We're already sauced. Yeah, no uh no, life's good, man. No complaints. Uh ran around town all weekend. Uh in the soccer department, uh Columbus was playing Charlotte. So I went to a uh, one of the local bars, Hooligans. You can imagine, great soccer bar. Um, and I made a bet with uh, a bunch of the dudes in there. I was just chilling. I was like, "All right, if the crew score the first goal, I'll buy you all a beer. But if the sorry, if Charlotte scores the first goal, I'll buy you all a beer. But if the crew score the first goal, you all have to buy me a beer." Crew scored in four minutes. So how I was many beers did pretty, you end up having? It, it was, was like an five. ass beating. It was like dude. five. It was like five. I had like five beers out of Hell it. Oh yeah. What was what was the final score? Like four. Four one, four two, four two. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, everybody took the over in it as well. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was fun. But boys, I really spent Saturday night watching hockey. And guys, we 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 gassed the series up a lot. You know, we were all like kind of throwing it around, like, man, Florida's hot. Vegas, you know, kind of looks like the better team. Well, they are. They do look like the better team. But Florida's like that team of destiny vibe going about them. Um, obviously, everybody listening, you know, is probably up to speed on the series, but. Uh, it doesn't really count until the road road team wins a game, essentially, unless you get to game seven that anything can happen. And game one, Vegas and Florida played a pretty even game until the third period where the wheels fell off for Florida. Bob kind of regressed back to old playoff Bob that we know. 
Uh, Vegas took that game 5-2. Um, to me, the big story of the game is Shea Theodore getting, you know, getting a tally, getting on the board, kind of, you know, getting that team a little bit. Um, but, man, dude, Vegas is absolutely buzzing, at, you know, going into game two. But let's talk about game one for a minute. Aaron, I'll throw it over to you. Um, I, I thought Shea Theodore's goal was a big turning point in that game. But you could also point to Aiden Hill's save. So, you know, you, you tell me which yeah. part – which part you thought was uh, more of a game? Oh, game actually, real quick, I want to step. In, I'm gonna, I want to step in here and, and and take the lead here because Woo! really, really the main talking point, and I, I'm gonna go back to my X factor, which was I think one of the last things we left off with from last episode. My X factor in this series was which goalie is gonna get cold, which goalie is gonna be hot. Aiden fucking Hill, holy shit! This dude's out here putting paddles in perfect positions. He's out here making stretch saves. Nobody knows how this dude's contorting this body and his equipment the way that he is. But, dude, this guy is on fire. I believe in Aiden Hill. And, honestly, I I mean, I know we've said, I know you said it, Phil. It doesn't count until a road team wins a game. But, man, Aiden Hill looks like a tough fucking guy to get past right now. Aaron. Dude, so you know who... Uh does know how Aiden Hill is contorting his body. A little shout-out here to The Athletic. Uh, Jesse Granger wrote an in-depth piece on him here after Game 1 about his offseason and about how he got into yoga, like, really, really heavily during the pandemic. He uh, He's a huge goalie, man. Like, he's massive, and you usually don't see them that flexible or move that well. But it, it's kind of a cool read if anybody wants to uh, check it out. He really goes into Aiden Hill's techniques and, like, all the training that he does to try and get himself real limber for his size. Um, I'm glad you took the lead and, like, dumped all your love onto Aiden Hill because I I don't really have anything else to say other than the fact that, like, holy shit, this guy is standing on his head. Florida, it, like, Florida's been goalieing teams since the beginning of the playoffs here, uh, ever since... Uh, that game five against Boston, they've been goaling people. They've led Florida's led in shots and goal shots on goal both games. Just, yeah, like and let, now let's they're just, getting let's just put that like, out there plain and simply. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the, there are a lot of sequences where they should have scored and they didn't. Aiden Hill's been awesome. His incredible stick save, which I'm sure everyone's seen by now in game one. The uh, one on Cousins was on. Oh my yeah, god, dude. unreal! But the crazy thing is. Braden Holby's insane save that he made in the cup final back in 2018 when the Caps won. It was yeah. in that exact goal crease in that end of the ice in the Vegas building. And you can see the photos right next to each other. They're almost identical. It's it's just a really yeah. cool little uh, coincidence that that shit happened like right in the same spot of the cup final that Vegas lost. Um, yeah. I Man, you mentioned Shea Theodore, Phil. I yep. I really hyped him up in uh, my article previewing this series. Uh, after doing go. a lot of research, man. So like Vegas is D on average is just massive, but they're not the best movers. Like they they move well in their system. Like they do real short little area passes to their forwards who break the puck out. Shea Theodore is the only guy on that team that's actually a like real mobile defenseman who has escapability and can get away from people and use his feet to advance the puck rather than just like smart plays and good reads and breakout passes. So his mobility in the offensive zone in this series has just been awesome. On that goal, he not only did he score a goal, he kept the puck in on the blue line, danced the shoes off of Anthony Duclair, skated back to the middle, and then ripped it home. Like, the whole play was a highlight reel. 
And it was. Florida, man, they're, I, I really feel for them because they played really well in game one. They got goalied. Uh, it, it was a very even game. Vegas deserved to win it ultimately. But in game two, man, that was a really, really tight game up until the very end of the first period, and then it all fell apart. So Florida, I think they're going to be able to kind of figure things out. They're going to make some adjustments when they head back home. Hopefully we get a good response in a long series, but right now it's looking like Vegas is running away from it. And I I think that a lot of that has to do with their game plan. Um, real quick here, I want to mention this, and then I'll, I'll throw it to you, Phil, because I'm sure you got some thoughts on how this is going too. But sure. So Florida's, Florida's big success mechanism, basically, especially against Carolina, but overarching throughout these playoffs, they're not making bad turnovers in their own zone. If there's not a clear, easy breakout pass, they're just flipping the puck out, and they've got set plays where their forwards can go catch it and win puck battles to advance it up ice. What Vegas has done, they've keyed on this exit strategy so heavily. It, you saw it on Mark Stone's goal. Uh, Florida, anytime they get under pressure, don't have an easy pass, they try to flip it out. So the Vegas D and Stone, especially on that goal, uh, they're all getting right up in the guy's grill, and they're anticipating that high flip. So they're kind of reaching up to block it. They're, they're instead of just like bearing down and focusing on the stick and trying to check the puck away, they're waiting for that puck to get elevated and go up. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the puck knocked out of the air for turnovers and scoring chances. And in Stone's case, the guy just bats it out of the air with a stick and rips one. And yeah. it's that's been a big issue for Florida now, getting out of their zone since that play's not there. And I really, really hope Maurice can make some adjustments on the way back home and maybe set up some you know, short area pass plays similar to what Vegas does, or just some way to exit the zone effectively without relying on that one trick pony they've done throughout the playoffs. Hey, real quick, Phil, before you hop in on your point, uh, another guy just to highlight there uh, while Aaron comes up for breath, um, did fucking Aaron, I think you mentioned him last episode too, Zach Whitecloud with a, with the nasty go ahead goal in that, in that game three. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, a, a nice rip from about the blue line and boy, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a great presence there as well. Young mobile guy. Yeah. He's got a wicked shot, but he's also very defensively responsible. Yeah. Um, and another thing, and, and it's honestly, I thought, I thought for sure if any team was going to be leading this series in hits, it was going to be Vegas, but I'm sadly mistaken because Florida's ran away with it in the hits category, but that hasn't meant shit. It's only led to them probably ending up in the box. But Usually still, if you lead in hits take, by a wide margin, it means you don't have the puck very often. True. Yeah, guys, one of the big points I wanted to make on this too, uh, in game one, right, we're talking about game one, trying to talk about game one here uh, before we hop into game two. Um, you know, three of the five goals were from Vegas's original team. You know, those guys, the Marchessos, which God bless it, nobody can say his name right. I feel bad. Um, the Riley Smiths, the William Carlsons of the world, you know, the Braden McNabs, those guys have been there forever, you know, literally forever since the dawn of the Vegas Golden Knights. And that those guys are putting the team on their back right now and willing this team, you know, to what, you know, where the, where they sit currently. But, you know, game one, like I alluded to in the beginning, it was a tight game, you know, going into the third period. There was, you know, a lot of hits. You know, guys lay their body on the line. Matthew Kachuk running around in game two. We'll talk about him a little more. I have a little bit of a feeling here. Um, but, you know, in game one, everybody's throwing their bodies around. Sam Bennett's throwing his bodies around. Barbashev's throwing his body around for Vegas. 
you know, you have the game one emotions. And when it came down to it, you know, that core for Vegas stepped up when it mattered and took the game over. And they have made Sergei Bobrovsky extremely uncomfortable going into game two because they put up five goals. Bob wasn't giving up three, let alone five, in any, you know, any prior, uh, you know, basically round, to be honest. He had a few one-offs, but not, you know, not much. You know, going on there, by maybe the way. maybe a game, maybe a, maybe a game one or a game two where like he got caught off guard, but that uh, even then, I don't think he had let in a five burger. Like I think yeah. if any, he, um, he and, got lit up against Boston in his very first start of the playoffs and yeah. game four, and after that, man, he got his legs under him and he was off to the races. Vegas has done a really good job of getting multi-layered screens in front, though. Like, Carolina, they had a lot of traffic they tried to pump it through, but Vegas is, like, strategically timing their shots with the screens going through, and it's really making life difficult for them. Yeah, it is. And, you know, when we get to Game 2, we'll talk about that here in a second. But just to finalize Game 1, uh, for my opinion, if anybody else has a final thought, um, I wasn't surprised. I thought Vegas would win Game 1. Um, my buddy down here, JP, shout out to my boy JP, um, texted me from a wedding in Asheville, North Carolina, and asked, He's like, Phil, what are you hammering tonight? I'm like, dude, take Vegas at home. Vegas at home all day long, game one. Their fucking, their fucking pregame show, come on. Yeah, I was like, no. I was like, Vegas, you know, all day, every day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that ended up looking like a good bet. Then we go to, then we go to game actually, two. Actually, real quick, I had, I had yeah. one, last, one last thought for, for game one. Yeah. If you, had, if, any, if you had money on Eric Stahl to be the first goal scorer in this fucking game, <laughs> I yeah. – Either you, either you fucking rigged it, or you're the biggest fucking genius in the world, short dude. Because handed goal scorer, no less. Short handed, short handed wrap around, like what the fuck? Who is this guy? He fucking... hasn't done that shit since he won the cup in Carolina. I, yeah, am I watching? Am I watching Jack Hughes out here? What the fuck? Yeah, it was de- it was definitely a uh, a what the fuck moment for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, but yeah. yeah the- no, no, yeah, at the end of the day, Vegas, you know, takes game one, and, you know, we go to game two, and everyone's like, okay. You know, it, ha- I think the big question for everybody going into game two is how did Florida respond? You know, Florida played a tight game, but Vegas took it over. Does Vegas ride the wave, or does Florida come in there and buck the trend? And, uh, boys, I'm calling last night the Jonathan Marshall show game because, holy shit, right from the beginning, he pots one early. Alec Martinez pots one, you know, right over Bob's shoulder. And before you know it, it's it's four nothing. Like literally in the blink of an eye, we're not even halfway through the game, and it's four nothing Vegas, and you're like, Holy shit, you know? This this Vegas team is a fucking wagon right now. Um, I don't know if you guys had anything, any thoughts from the first period in general, uh, in game one, because we are gonna talk about obviously the Eichel and Kachuk moment, and then we'll talk about Sergey Bobrovsky. But if there was a moment from that first period that you thought might have uh, you know, obviously not a goal that might have really flipped that game on its head, what would you say it was? Dude. Just the fact – I'd say, one, the fact that Chandler Stevenson was the lead – it was the number one assist on both of the first goals for Vegas in both games. Yep. Chandler Stevenson has been flying, man. Like, you called this the Marcheseau game. Stevenson and Barbashev – like, Marcheseau finished, and he made some nice plays. Stevenson and Barbashev – were absolute drivers in this game, man. Like, they were controlling play so much, but we're talking about the first period here. The moment that stood out to me, dude, Florida was absolutely hounding Vegas after that first goal. Like, they they deserved to tie that game. 
you you get a little bit later after the goal. Vegas or Florida takes a penalty. They kill off the penalty and then force Vegas to take one. Now they got a power play, and they were ripping them, man. They they had six shots within about a minute and a half on this power play, and a lot of them were like flurries, second chance opportunities. You had a lot that didn't even find the net. That it could have been way more, but they they had so many scoring chances on that power play to tie this game, and they were pressing so hard. And as soon as that power play expired, Alec Martinez buries one, and the momentum is completely sucked away from the Panthers. Like, we were this close and a couple great Aiden Hill saves away from the Panthers being tied in the first period, having a lot more confidence, maybe having a way different outcome in this game, and Vegas just stifles it after that kill. So it it's really just like Vegas surviving the flurries that come at them and then responding very quickly. That's been the theme for this series for me so far. They're just, they're able to just withstand everything Florida throws at them. Um, also, also just to highlight as well, uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about highlights of the first period, Ivan Barbashev's hit on uh, Radko Gudis. Dude, that was a, a, a clean hit. Yeah. I mean, and Reverse honestly. Too. Gudis was coming rever- in to hit him. And if we remember, there was a little, you know, choppiness between the two of them in game one um, in front of the Florida net. And then this hit happens. And boy, uh, you know, Rat- Gudis's head hit the ice pretty hard going down there. And if he's out for more than one game for Florida, boy, that's that's a really, really yeah. big hole to fill, and honestly, I don't think one that you can completely fill. The, that's a that's a serious void in that on that blue line. Well, and it's not like the Panthers are loaded on D either, man. Like they don't have somebody who can just jump in and play reliable third period minutes, which is what you need against this Vegas team. Because as you mentioned before, uh, I think it was Phil that brought either you or Phil that brought it up. I think it was you, Zach Whitecloud. That Vegas yeah. third pair, man, th- they have great D all the way down. If Florida loses a guy like Gudis, like he's not the best D in the world, but he's a reliable third pair guy, you don't have anyone who can compete with that. He's an emotional he's an emotional presence for that team too. He's a I mean wild I wild card, man. He just fucking crushes people. Yeah, and I mean, granted, don't get oh, don't get me wrong, Matthew Kachuk can be enough of a, of an emotional leader for an entire fucking team, but when you have a fucking Norwegian fucking Viking like Radko Gudis out there. I mean, damn, that guy is a huge emotional presence for that team. For sure. So, yeah, that's going to be a huge loss for them. And you've got Bob shaking up going into game three now. They had to pull him. We'll get to that. You know, we haven't gotten there, but boy. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I called it the Marcio game because I, I thought he really stood out to me. You know, he, had, he had three points, three points in the game. Yeah, no, he yeah. he led Vegas in scoring, like in points two, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he had a great game too. I, I just wanted to highlight those other guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean fucking Brett Howden had two goals. Brett Howden, yeah, Brett Howden, that, that shit's crazy. Well, Brett Howden also was the benef- you know, the, the benefactor of uh, what was that? Uh, nine total game misconducts and five Panthers players shown the gate. So yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, there, was a, there was a that, Phil. yeah, shit. there was there was a lot of fucking mess in this game. Um, it, I mean, it starts because it's a Stanley Cup final, but. You know, Jack Eichel toe picks and goes right into Matthew Kachuk. Clean hit by Kachuk. I'm not going to fault him for the hit by any stretch. 
At least I'm not. Someone else might want to hear. Dude, I think it's unanimous. Um, Nobody thinks that was a bad hit. Like, no, it, no, it was. No, yeah. I mean, how, what, what's Kachuk gonna? What's Kachuk gonna do there? He's already committed. Like, yeah. Kachuk, Kachuk though, throwing the wrap throw on the ice, just whipping it with his stick. I was like, what a metaphor. What Dude, a beautiful metaphor that was. What a fucking deadbeat game misconduct for that. Can we yeah. talk about that? Matthew Kachuk oh, has no, three mean, game oh, misconducts in stuff? two games, and he deserved one of them, and it was in game one. He got a game misconduct for defending himself when the entire Vegas team mobbed him after that hit, 10 minute, and then he gets another 10 for sliding a rat across the ice that a fan threw on. Like, are you fucking kidding me, man? Dude, it's crazy how classless a fan base can become when playoffs happen. We saw it in Dallas. We're seeing it in Vegas now. Uh, you know, throwing a rat at Matthew Gachuk. I mean, I get it. The symbolism is kind of funny. But Dude, Jake, no, I, th- I think it was a Florida fan because, like, they throw rats on the ice when they score. It was after his goal. I thought, okay, I, th- I thought because the game was in Vegas, I thought, like, a Vegas fan was throwing it as a symbol. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that, that I, is some good symbolism. I, I can see that. But no, so I, I did. I mean, I do know the Florida throws rats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, their cup run, they started throwing the rats. And now every time they score, because I believe it was after his garbage time goal in the third, a fan threw yeah. a rat on the ice and he like just slid it across the ice and the ref's like, out. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, come on. Yeah. Not, yeah, absolutely not, not worth it. You know, a game misconduct for sure. Um, these games are getting a lot. I mean, Florida's a gritty-ass team, so I'm not surprised that, you know, we're seeing, you know, a little bit of a get-out-of-hand later in the game. we got guys getting, you know, 10-minute game misconducts with, what, seven seconds left in the game? Like, there's just no need. Well, I – so I think, I think this goes back to game one, actually, though, because, like, at the end it was getting real chippy. The game was kind of out of hand, and the officials were just like, we're not having it. Anybody who does anything is getting the gate so that, like, we don't lose control of this, which, like – I can't really blame him considering how we've seen some of these other series deteriorate throughout the playoffs. Like the Minnesota-Dallas series, for example, is just a complete shit show. The refs lost control from day one. But you go into the cup final and like you're tossing game misconducts out left and right like in the middle of periods. You can't be doing that shit, man. Especially for a guy that just got mobbed after a clean hit. Like that first Kachuk misconduct was so outrageous i i just can't even fathom like what the hell were they thinking i mean at this point nate none of us know what the officials are thinking right dude again it it goes back to the just the inconsistent the inconsistent refereeing that we've seen throughout this entire playoffs throughout this entire season and it's it's coming to light here the, the officials need to get a hold of this series because obviously emotions are already running high. We've got game misconducts in the first two games. We Something's got to happen. And really, do we need to look at a new crew for this? Because obviously this crew has shown they, they may not be able to control this series. So what do we need here? Because this is, it, it's inconsistent, but I don't know, man. Again, you know, they... You've got you've got supposedly the best crew that you've had throughout the entire postseason here. So I don't know. You, you want to hear my far fetched conspiracy theory? All right, put your tinfoil. Yeah, put your tinfoil so, on, listeners. I think this crew is doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, they get want Vegas to win. Yeah, Gary Bettman wants Vegas to fucking win. It's a bigger market. There's more money coming in from it. Like, it's 
if you look at Matthew Kachuk when he went into the, I don't agree that it's a. I don't think I don't agree it's a bigger market. Oh, absolutely, dude. No, it's a it's a market it's a market that has more money. Yeah, it's bigger financial market than Miami. Dude, there's not that many Florida Panther fans in Miami. Like, yeah, I know, but the market itself. Well, yeah, but like. You really but the, think, but the, you but really Miami, Miami doesn't people but, are gonna care that much. Vegas is Miami, a hockey my, market, dude. You're right there. Yeah, you're geographically near Miami, but if anything, Fort Lauderdale's more bought into you than fucking Miami is. I mean, yeah, they'll but, take they they'll take credit for you when you're good, but when you're bad, they don't want you. So really, it's I, it's Vegas yeah. because I I think and it's Vegas, Vegas is because more established they, too. Like they've been it's successful that, longer. It's that, and the, I think they've got the backing of every. They've got the casino backing. They've, you know, and it's not just, and I'm not saying backing like, it, it's just they've got the owners of the casinos behind them. They've got all that money right there. Whereas Miami, more of that money is towards the Heat and the Dolphins. Yeah. Just pure and, and, and inner Miami now, honestly. It does, Vegas it, no, only Inter-Miami has the Raiders not, to compete with. Like, they don't have a basketball team to compete with for the not, market. Not yet. Not yet. And it doesn't help that the Miami Heat are also in the NBA Finals right now. That does not help the Florida Panthers case. At least they're not playing on the same day. The NHL would fuck that up and do that. Oh, yeah. Um, all, all I was going to say, though, up. like, uh, I was going to give you an example. So, like, you remember Matthew Kachuk gets cross-checked. I think it was McNabb. Cross-checked into the goal net. Aiden Hill will not let him out of the net and then slashes him as he's skating away right in front of the ref. The ref is staring at them and no penalties are called. Like, that's all you need to look at. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, at the end of the day, boys, game two was a gong show, but it was a gong show because Vegas just came out and absolutely paddled the Florida Panthers like they were fucking pledging and it was initiation night. I'll I'll tell you, here's another, Aaron, here's another thing to look at too. Pure and simply, the man advantage when they're on the power play. Vegas and game two, two for four. Florida, zero oh for four. Yeah. We go back. We go back to game one. Look at the man advantages there. Florida, zero oh for three. I mean, this one was very lopsided. Vegas, two for seven. But still, I mean, you, it, you we've said it throughout. It, it's just a known fact in hockey. You have to take advantage of your when you're on the power play. Yeah. You just have. You just have to. And Florida, I mean, they have, they're, uh, we said it, they've had great opportunities. Aiden Hill's just been a fucking man standing on his head. But, man, yeah. you just got to take advantage well, of those we opportunities. we talked about this before the series, too, the special teams. Because Florida was yeah. years better than Vegas on both special teams. And that is not the case so far in this series. Like, Vegas's power play has really come alive. They... They seem to be finding a lot more success against the Panthers than they have against Dallas, Edmonton, or Winnipeg. And I don't know if like they're just finally in rhythm and clicking with all the power plays they're getting, or if they're you know doing something different. Whatever it is, man, it's working for them, and that is a big factor in both these wins. It's almost like Dallas and Edmonton are better teams than Florida. Florida's just hot right now. Nah, Edmonton <laughs> didn't have a good penalty kill, though. They had a great power play, but their penalty kill was trash. Yeah, I think if Florida was matched up with Edmonton right now, it would be 2 nothing Edmonton as well. I disagree. Uh, that, I completely disagree. Edmonton, they are, Edmonton is going to have Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl loaded up out there, and Alexander Barkov is going to take care of them, and then Florida's second and third line are just going to 
beat the absolute dog shit out of the scrubs they have going out on the ice for Edmonton. Vegas yeah, is deep, I mean, dude. Vegas is so deep. Yeah, and, and we talked about it that Florida was better on the, you know, Florida was better, uh, you know, special teams going into the series. But uh, I, let's just say I'm not surprised that Vegas is outperforming them in every aspect of the game. And before we get to the goaltending controversy, we'll talk about what we look, we'll be thinking about going into game three. Uh, did you guys see last night when Paul Maurice threw out five D-men? He let Brandon Montour take a fucking face off. He threw five D-men out there at the end of the game. Was that after everyone got fucking yeah, ejected? Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Brandon Montour took, with what you got there. Yeah, Montour took a face off there, which I thought was hysterical. I was like, man, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, did, did he but win yeah, it? Boys, uh, I didn't catch. Uh, no. Uh, no. Uh, no. No, he didn't. But it was still funny to see. Um, boys, we got to talk about the goaltending. And Sergei Bobrovsky, another bad night at the office. Um, there's a great photo out there of him on the bench looking just distraught. And, you know, he's obviously very crestfallen right now. His performance has dipped dramatically in the first two games. Alex Lyon goes in, doesn't change anything. Uh, Vegas won all three periods last night. 3-0, 2-0, uh, 3-2. So they did win all three periods of the game. Um, Florida didn't even score until the third period. So we're looking at a Sergey Bobrovsky that's kind of regressed back to the mean a little bit. So, Nate, I'm going to throw it to you first. Going into game three, do you rock with Alex Lyon or do you go back to Sergey one more time? Boy, this is a tough one, man. I mean, you pulled him last game. Man, I'd almost say why not? Why not let Lyon take game three and let him prove you? Let him. I mean, granted, I don't know. He didn't. He let in quite a few goals in that third period of game two. So maybe, maybe you give Bob the home ice back and let him get back in front of the home fans. That's what I'm thinking. I, you pulled Bob early enough in that game that it told me you're just trying to spare him from a bad defensive performance from your team. Like, yeah, he didn't look the best on the last couple goals, but those were also like he'd made. There some, was some bad defense. There yeah. was some bad defense he'd, there. He'd made, some, he'd made some great a saves before that, and the defense was just letting him down. So I think you're saving him for one more start. Give him the game three at home, and then if like you lose that, it's desperation time. You're pulling out all the stops, throw line out there at that point. Yeah, I agree. If Bob gives up, you know, two of the first four shots, you might pull him then. And, yeah. and, and throw Alex Light in. I would kind of have them both prep like they're going to start. Yeah. I would have the mentality if you're both going to start. Um, and Lyon didn't look terrible at first. It's just like he ran into the same shit Bob did, D, D hanging him out to dry. Oh, yeah. I mean, defensively was the worst game Florida's played since the Boston series. I'd say so. La yeah, last night, I mean, it was just egregious. And part of um, that was, was having actually 5D, too, I think, after Gudis went out. Yeah, no, it, it didn't help. They were, they were definitely stretched thin. Um, I was actually at a, a birthday party. We were bowling, and we had the game on on the TVs. And I was just sitting there, you know, in between my, my turns, just laughing. At the Vegas made it look so easy yeah. last night. I mean, they, re they really did. Um, we've talked about Florida being the team of destiny, but I, I do think that uh, that Vegas is, is the better team. And, you know, they've I think they've the – odds are, The odds are more in their favor. Florida's earned the right to be here, but I think they're a little ahead of schedule. They've got on a freak run. I think Vegas has been building for this moment, and Jack Eichel is that key block. Yeah. Dude, can we talk about him for a second? Because holy shit, man. Jack Eichel, I, 
This is exactly what Vegas was looking for when they traded for him. They have needed a top-line elite center for so long, ever since their inception. They've always been like this four-line, deep, good team, but they've never had that elite star power center. And Jack Eichel has brought all of that to him right now. It's As soon as he came back on the ice, because he missed a few shifts in the locker room after that hit from Kachuk, as soon as he hit the ice, man, he sets up Marcheseau for a second of the night, the the vibes were just rolling downhill in Vegas's favor. It, as soon as he came back, it was like, all right, we're good, we're we're rolling again, and it he makes such a difference. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're gonna see in Game Three. Now that Florida's back at home, so uh, because of Vegas's depth, they've actually been throwing their fourth line out against the Kachuk line, which yeah, that's a ton of trust from Bruce Cassidy. But they've performed pretty well, like. They were all minuses last night. It, the The stat sheet doesn't show it, but like they're holding their own against them. And Will Carrier even scored a goal. So it's it's a big, big mismatch when you're at home, or when you're Vegas, when you're at home and you can control those matchups and then save Eichel to play against the bottom six. Now that Florida's going to be at home, we're going to see Paul Maurice matching Alexander Barkov up to him every single time. Barkov, oh, yeah. I don't think, had a shift against Jack Eichel in the first two games. And Cassidy did a great job with the matchups, keeping that lethal top line away from him. Alexander Barkov is an elite defensive centerman. And hey, Aaron, I am really Aaron, real excited quick. to watch this matchup. Aaron, real quick, it was Nick Waugh that had the goal last oh, night. Will Carrier, Will, yeah, Carrier had the main assist. Oh, okay. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. I, yeah, but but still, regardless, that fourth line, you're right, that fourth line has been absolutely unreal for them, and they even talked, to, like, Biz talked about it in the pregame, they talked about it even in there, that fourth line has just been unreal for them, and they have matched up very well against that first line for Florida, I, it, it's a real shock, but hey, Bruce seems to like it, and he'll ride it until it doesn't work no, anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to see what Barkov can do against that that Eichel line because that's been the most dangerous threat for Vegas throughout the playoffs. They've had them match up against lower opposition because you have Stone and Carlson to shut down the top two lines. So let's let's keep an eye on that matchup for game three and see if he can kind of stymie him. That's been Aaron's key to game three. Uh while we're, you know, on the topic of Aaron's key to game three, uh Folks, make sure you go out there. Check us out on Twitter, Beerly Hockey. Follow us. Let us know. Do you like Aaron's key to game three? Is there an opinion on the podcast you don't agree with? Go on there. Uh, bring it up with the admin. Just tweet at him. We'll run a poll. Uh, you can, you know, figure out which one of the handles is ours. No, I'm kidding. I'm at Postgrad Phil. He's at Beerly Nate. And then we're at, at Aaron. Uh, Aaron. It's Aaron. Underscore Kenny, Kenny Nine. Kenny Nine. That's right. Aaron underscore Kenny Nine. Got I tweeted you enough. I should have that memorized by now. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, but yeah, make sure you guys go follow us there. Go over to the Beerly Sports Instagram. Go check out the store on there. Support us that way. We also have the Batman Hates Us t-shirts. And make sure you leave us a five-star review uh, on the listening platform of your choice. Boys, going into game three. Aaron, we'll start with you because you gave your key. Um, who do you like to win? And what do you think will be the driving factor in that team's success? Man, I... Based on what Vegas has done, it's hard to bet against them. But I do think Maurice is such a good, intelligent, tenured veteran coach. I think he finds a way to control some matchups, make some adjustments on those D-zone exits, and maybe just 
tweak a little something in the offensive zone. Maybe he tweaks some line combinations. Maybe bump somebody like Verhage or Duclair down to play with Kachuk and uh, Bennett. You know, get a little more speed on that line. I, I think he makes one line adjustment, and I think he uh, is going to really do a couple things with their systems to adjust, and I can see Florida squeaking one out like 3-2 to two maybe. Okay, so Florida gets a 3-2 win. Nate, what are you going with? Boy, this one's tough. I, uh, Aaron, while you were talking about it, I'm sitting there, I'm running through a, a lot of different factors for me in this one. I feel like I'm also going to lean Florida squeaks one out here because I think if, if Vegas steal, if, Ve- if Vegas is going to steal one in these first, if Vegas is going to steal one, it's going to be game four. Um, I don't know if maybe I like, I just don't know how they're going to handle the momentum going away, going into Florida and how that home atmosphere could really help them out. And especially if it does invigorate Bob, like I think they're hoping it does. Yeah. Um, if, if that's, I think that's going to be my biggest X factor in this one is how does coming home help Bob? If it doesn't help, if it doesn't help him, I, do, I don't know if I have faith in Alex Lyon. And can Florida clear out his sight lines? Like, I'm saying for Gudis, because he's already been ruled out for Game 3, call up the That's a problem biggest, already. nastiest motherfucker you can from the AHL and just have him crush anyone who gets in the slot or in front of Bob in the crease. Like, make it high-value real estate that they can't get to. Because Bob's good on the shots he can see. It's the ones with the multi-layered screens that he's struggling with. Yeah, and Vegas has done a really, really good job of getting yeah. in front of him and, and causing those screens and, and just just causing havoc in front of him. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Phil? Yeah, was, what are you thinking? I think, I think, I mean, there are some, my brain's going to a bunch of different places. You know, the original Vegas players, you know, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to have any, any problem going into Fort Partydale. And, you know, keep keeping their minds right and going in there and, and getting the job done, you know, if if they can, um, you know, they'll be they'll be off of the task. I guess what I'm trying to say, um, I think for me personally and, you know, there is. I don't want to sound like a, a cliche, but I think Aiden Hill is young enough and dumb enough to not give a shit about the moment and just go out there and keep playing his game. Like if if this was like a Jordan Bennington, I'd be a little concerned. Because he's an emotional guy, right? And Bennington might let the moment get to him a little bit, and he gives up a cheapy or two, and Florida wins the game three two. I think Aiden Hill is just young and dumb enough and inexperienced enough to go in there and just continue to play his fucking game. And I like Vegas to win. I like Vegas to win five three. They'll get an empty netter late to really seal it. They'll be up four three late. It's going to be a barrage of Florida going at. Um, you know, Adam, but at the end of the day, I, I do think Bobrovsky takes the net and I think Aiden Hill, you know, kind of steals the show, but he'll have some, you know, great save in the third period, you know, so, something crazy will happen in the third period. I, th- I think we all have come to expect from these, from these playoffs, but, uh, Aiden Hill's honestly, that's, that's where my money, my money is going to be on Vegas. Yeah, I, I, I can't really argue. They've been so good. I just I got a feeling that Florida's got something up their sleeve. That's that's my I, call. If Vegas wins game three, Florida wins game four. If Florida wins game three, Vegas wins game four. But I think they're splitting it one one. Yeah, I can see my that. feelings. My feelings have proved to be wrong 
and my gut seems to be right, so I'm going to go with my gut on this one. I'm going to actually switch my pick to Vegas. All right, I'm the lone panther riding right now. Let's yeah. let's go, boys. Matthew Kachuk has got to know that the refs are keying on him, though. He's got to fucking clean it up between mm-hmm. the whistles. He's got to just, yeah, like, does. skate away from everybody because if he breathes on someone, they're giving him a 10 at this point. He's got three and two games for, like, not doing a whole lot. Yeah, it's been brutal against him, so... Um, yeah, so by the time we record next, uh, we'll be looking, we'll be staring game five in the face. Um, just so the listeners know, we're not really going on a, a day-to-day basis. We're doing it based on when the games are played. And we're, you know, we're kind of trying to do, um, you know, two games podcast, two games podcast. So we will have something for you before game five, if there is a game five. If there's not a game five, then we'll have a serious recap for you. It'll be just sad that we only got to do two podcasts for the Stanley Cup final. Um Guys, there's other NHL news that we were going to touch on. Is there anything else that we want to just briefly say, anything on coaching or anything else that we want to talk about, uh, you know, in the Stanley Cup final so far before we go into some news? I think we crushed it. I We went deep on that one. Yeah, I mean, there's only two games going on. So, you know, I definitely think uh, it was worth it, right? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> man. That was, that was a good crusher. That was good going deep. Yeah, and to the listeners, I apologize to me personally. Uh, my brain is much. I, I had a lot of call, I had a lot of client calls today, so I'm doing my best right now to try to, uh, you know, think about stats and retain everything I've read before we started doing this. Um, let's start off with the news uh, coming out of Philadelphia, Columbus, and Los Angeles today, boys. Uh, seventh overall pick of the 2015 draft, 26 year old Ivan Provorov. <laughs> Provorov, saying that three times fast. Uh, lands in Columbus. How long till he's just called Provolone? By the way. Uh, He's about to enter his fifth season. He's making, you know, 40 and a half over six years. So a little less than seven a year. Um, the big part of this trade, obviously, is that Columbus is sending a late first round pick to Philadelphia. But I think the real big kicker here is that the Los Angeles Kings are retaining 30% of that fucking salary. That's that's a huge deal for Columbus because if he was coming over with that full cap hit, I would not be happy about this trade. I'm still mixed emotions on it. Provorov's only really good season. Like, he's got all the tools. He was a good prospect. He He's shown flashes of brilliance. His only good, consistent, season-long effort was alongside Matt Niskanen when he had that kind of steady veteran presence next to him, a guy who he can rely on. And it's just been a rotating cast in Philly ever since, and he's not looking mm-hmm. great. And Columbus does not have that steadying veteran right-hand defenseman. Let, let's be honest, they don't. So, like... Unless they make another move in the offseason, they're either really counting on Juracek to step up and just instantly be elite, or they're counting on Provorov finally being able to carry the mail on his own pairing. So it's it's a risk. It's a big risk. It's a, a high-ceiling, very low-floor player. And Nate, do you... Oh, sorry, Aaron, continue. No, no, go ahead. Let's let's get everybody involved here. It's I, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't want to beat the dead horse too much. We can talk about teams' offseason moves uh, throughout the offseason yeah. as well. I, I just um, think it's like a signal uh, he's over. Um, well, I mean, you know, this is a guy that has never had less than 25 points in a season, so I'll take that. I mean, it's never – I mean, granted, you want, you want to see maybe one of those 41-point or 36-point seasons out of him. That'd be, that would be ideal. Um, but, you know, hey – the number seven pick of the 2015 draft now joins the number eight pick of the 2015 NHL draft. Uh, Z Z taking one, Zach Wierenski taking one pick after Provorov. 
Uh, I like this. I like this trade a lot for them. I think this is exactly something that the Blue Jackets needed. Um, you know, they needed that was shoring up that blue line was the number one key going into this offseason. Having a you know having a good draft a b you know shoring up that defense, making sure that Merzlikens has some competent defense in front of him so that he can actually play consistently in front of him in the net. I'd love to never see Gavin Bayreuther ever again. I don't oh, want to ever see his bro, fucking. We, I don't. We got enough guys that Gavin Bayreuther shouldn't have to play, but fucking they just exactly. did anyway. Like, it's, no, it, that's. That's my joke. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get you right there. No, He's the new I, Scott uh, Harrington. Yes, he is. Um, I think this move makes sense, too, for multiple reasons. One, uh, the Blue Jackets don't have to pay his full salary. Yarmo Kekalainen's going all in. He's trying to, save you know. Save his job. I would say save his job. If the Blue Jackets are competitive this season and they just miss playoffs, he's safe for one more year because are they ever going to do better than Yarmo? That's always in the back of your mind. Um. I mean, I think Rick Nash is probably next next in line, but, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things in the back of your mind, like, hey, can we really do better than this guy? Oh, I think. But, well, I, you're well, always going to have GM a, candidates, though. Like, you know, it's, it's a rhetorical question because a lot of GMs won't take the job. That's what I'm saying. But the second thing I think is the most important part of this whole thing, Ivan Provorov uh, comes with some baggage. He doesn't like to wear the pride uniform out uh, for, you know, hockey's for everyone night. He chooses not to wear the pride uniform, um, you know, like they all wear in the pregame skate. And Philadelphia is a huge market, right? I mean, it's a big market, big media market. By going to Columbus, when he chooses not to do it, it'll kick up dust on local Twitter and local media. But when he's in Philadelphia, the whole country is talking about it. When he's in Columbus, Ohio, they're not. Unless the Blue, unless the Blue Jackets are, you know, leading the Metropolitan Division, nobody's going to really throw up a lot of stink about it. So from Philadelphia's perspective, they're like, hey, man, we can, you know, get this guy out of here. He's a PR nightmare in our in our huge media market. Ironically, Columbus is a very gay-friendly town, so it's going to be a little interesting to see how the fans receive him. Um, but I think the media hubbub, you know, coming into it, you know, he only has to deal with one Je- – shout-out to, you know, friend of the podcast, Jeff Sabota. He deals with, like, five Jeff Sabotas on, on a nightly basis, not 500 Jeff Sabotas on a nightly basis. So I think uh, it makes sense from a Philadelphia standpoint, too. Um, his numbers have been disappointing as well. But I think it's, it's kind of a win for everybody involved. He is a good player. He does have a lot of upside. He is very young. He does get to pair with the guy that was drafted right behind him. It is, you know, in that draft. So that's, you know, fun tidbit. Yeah, you'll Los have Angeles him kid. holding on the second pairing with Rinsky on the top one. It's, yeah, of course. I'm just like... I'm I'm concerned with what we've seen from him so far alongside subpar pairs. Like if yeah. he doesn't have a partner he can rely on, man, he's he like I'm looking at his Corsi numbers. His only season where he was even above fifty percent in Corsi, fifty three point one, and that was when he was paired with Niskanen in twenty nineteen twenty. So it's like it yeah. you brought him in to carry a pairing like Gavrikov did and you just don't know that he can. So I'm hoping he can. But I I don't have a lot of evidence that supports that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Zacharinsky boys, just a little fun side thing. Uh, obviously, I follow him on the old old Instagram. He's been hanging out with, like, Dylan Larkin and Mo Sider and the boys. And they were in uh, England for, like, a bender, right? They went to a concert. They went to the FA Cup final. 
you know, they were all over England, man, just drinking beers and having a great time. And I was like, man, it's a shame Bill Larkin restarted with the Detroit Red Wings for the rest, basically the rest of his prime. Because damn, that would have been a fun one to have in Columbus, dude. No shit. Yeah, that one uh, definitely threw me a little bit. Um, boys, outside of the Provorov trade today, is there anything else that we want to discuss tonight that we think is pressing, or uh, can most of it for off-season talk? Um, I mean, we got a little bit of time here. I I wouldn't mind getting into yeah. a couple things. So, uh, yeah, go for it. keeping with Columbus, real quick before we move to the rest of the league, you've got reports coming out that it's all but done that Mike Babcock is going to be the coach. Uh, it, they're basically just waiting on his contract to run out with Toronto at the end of the month. I I am very, very concerned about this one as well. Both of these deals, it's like high reward, high risk. You you don't know what you're going to get. And it, it just feels like desperation moves from Yarmo Kekalainen to me. You're going for a controversial coach who has a Stanley Cup, but it was with a Hall of Fame team. And you're, you're really putting all your eggs in one basket there that he's kind of changed his coaching style because he hasn't really had any success since then. And you you're bringing in a guy who could be great, could not be great, and I mean, they've already they've already hired Torts. Why not hire a, a worse version? Well, like that's the thing. Like first, Babcock first, first is out. so much worse than Torts, but it, it's just like it it seems like they're really rushing out of this rebuild with these moves, and I think they really could have used one more year to cook. Like take this dr- late draft pick that you traded away. You could get a guy who could maybe be something for you. Let the guys develop and then take big swings next year. That's just my two cents on the thing. It's like, I I think he's just a little bit feeling the seats getting hot, and he's you know emptying the chamber trying to keep his job as well as he can. He's just hoping this all works out and they make the playoffs next year. You almost gotta wonder too, a little bit if if yeah, ownership's got to be getting tired of this too. They're, they're like, we, you know, maybe they're applying the pressure. We want to win now. Um, because you know, cause I, I mean, I know I've been one of them, but maybe I'm not the only one that's saying need, maybe, maybe there's a new top. Maybe there's a new need for new ownership. Yeah. I, guys, I think the ownership's been decent. It's just, I, they're just, I I think we're pressure there. Uh, I, I just don't think I just don't think that they're I don't think they have the money to play around like a lot of other teams and that's kind of help you know forbidding the Blue Jackets from being what we would like them to be or maybe even what they want want them to be. I don't care about the late first round pick to be totally honest with you boys and this is why fourteen percent that's one in seven guys drafted after fifteenth in the first round play a hundred plus NHL games one in seven and yes you can pull up fucking drafts from every year. This guy was taken here. He's been a superstar. Look at the other ten guys around him. None of them again, are superstars. It, again, it's the it's the statistics of it. One in seven. Yeah, I, one in seven. So the odds of you hitting on it. And the Jackets, by the way, have hit on a fuck ton of late picks. Uh, just to name two off my head: Josh Anderson and Cam Atkinson are two pretty goddamn good ones that they had that were not first round picks. Cam Atkinson was a sixth round pick, and Cam Atkinson's a Blue Jackets Hall of Famer. So. You know, I mean, they don't really have a Hall of Fame or a Ring of Honor yet. But I'm telling they, you, I think I think they hit on the third rounder last year that Luca Del Bell Belus yeah. fucking kid. I think he's. I think that kid's gonna be a fucking hit. Well, I, but I'm talking about guys that have already proven it. I, I know, I know. I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying it's central for me. I'm talking about guys that have done it. I value the late round picks more for Columbus or for like Colorado than I do for most teams, just because their scouting departments are so good. But like there's other teams that like, it would be more valuable to, to, you know, spend it on a player, you know about, but it's profile is not a guarantee either. That's, that's my only point. It's like, if you're going to spend a first round pick on a D you want it to be an established guy. Who's like shown that he can be very good. Now, the, the cap retention, I can see being a factor there because part of that asset goes towards that. And you're getting a guy, he's barely making more than Eric Goodbranson, and you know he's going to be better than that fucking guy. So, like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's, I don't hate the move. I don't love the move. We're just going to see how it works out, is my synopsis. I got to I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing too. Um, Provorov, besides one season, I'm seeing mostly 82 games played in his seasons so yeah that's great well we, Nate, you, you gotta look at 1920 they only played between 68 and 70 games with COVID. well happened. yeah yeah 1920 he has the 69 but then 2021 yeah yeah and then 2021 he had uh 56 and that and that was the max yeah so and then oh yeah that's right and then 2021 2022 he had 79 so yeah, yeah. i mean he's been, <laughs> been pretty he's healthy. been right there um, uh, you got any other news on here, Phil? I got a couple. No, go for it, Aaron. Uh, so we got Spencer Carberry hired in Washington, hired out of the minor leagues. Uh, kind of a surprise there, I think. You're looking maybe, uh, I mean, his name had been kind of around coaching interviews for a while, but I honestly don't know much about him personally, and I, I was kind of expecting them to go a little bit more veteran route as they try to keep the team competitive for the end of Obi's career. What, what do you guys think about that? You got any thoughts on him? My only thought on him, my only thought Gambling. on him is my only thought on him is uh, does this hire is Washington going to go for a full rebuild, and if they do, does Alexander Ovechkin end his career as a Washington Capital? I think he wants to, but I mean, if I'm Ov, there's not a whole lot more he can accomplish in this league. Like he's won a cup, he's not going to win five. You know, he's not going to get anywhere near a you know a, a Gretzky or even a Crosby at this point, but. You know, in my opinion, but does Ovi finish his career as a capital if they go through this three to five year rebuild, or do they do him the service of, hey man, where do you want to go for the last year or two of your career? I think if they... I, I mean, I'd hope, I'd hope they would. I, I mean, if they're if they're going to do a rebuild, I'd hope they do him the service of that and not try to make him stick around through that because that would just ruin his chances of hitting Wayne's number. I think that they're. There's two schools of thought here. Number one, I don't think they're actually going into a rebound, a rebuild. They haven't really made any roster moves to show me that they are. They traded Orlov, but they weren't going to be able to afford to keep him anyway, and they brought in Sandine instead. I, I think they're going to try to remain at least on that playoff bubble and surround him with enough talent to have him score a lot. And even if they do go into rebuild, I think they're just going to be all offense all the time, like the Jackets last year, you know, Lose every game. Vancouver. Fucking seven yeah, Van- Vancouver. Yep, Vancouver. Yeah. Vancouver running done. Yeah. Yep. I love he, it. He's done it all. He's won the cup. He's, he's chasing down Gretzky now. Their primary focus is to get him that record, I think. I think he'll stay there. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I'm just, you know, curious. I mean, if he plays, we'll say four more years, he breaks the record in year three. Does he spend year four, you know, maybe living a lavish life in Florida or Vegas or? You know, L.A., wherever he wants to go. He's yeah. Russian. Who knows what he, he wants. He could also go he back might want to, go to Russia fucking... and make, like, five times as much money. Yeah, and it's all on tax, paid in bags of cash. Yeah. 
So, no, that, that's fair. No, I, I think it's an interesting hire for Washington. I kind of like it, though. Um, I think the league does a terrible job about recycling the same coaches. And I think it's nice that when guys uh, from the minors or assistants can get a chance, I do think it's it's good to see teams go after that. So, you know, I, I say tip of the cap to the Washington Capitals for, yeah. hiring, for hiring a guy like that. I agree. Nice to see some new faces. And speaking of new faces, we also have Greg Cronin named Ducks head coach. Um, he's been in the minors for a long time, like ECHL, AHL, fucking, uh, he, he just, he's been a grinder, man. He's been in, in the lower levels for quite a while as a head coach and cool to see him get a chance. Uh, interesting philosophy. I think we're going to find with him. I, I can't imagine they would hire someone that's not going to be like an offensive minded guy for Zegris. And now you got, mm-hmm. you know, whoever they draft, probably Fantilli this year. Um, interesting to see about that, but funny little story about him. I heard on the radio today. So he apparently was coaching, I think it was in the AHL and the opposing coach on the other bench was just chirping his players going by. Like everybody in the game was talking shit. It was getting out of hand. The, the opposing coach was even getting in on the chirps and he walked over to the opposing coach's bench during a stoppage and was like, if you don't stop chirping my players, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. So he's got I a little bit it. of fire in him too. I love it. That's the guy Nate would play for. Yeah. Uh, he's he's going to have those guys ready to run through a wall. 100%. 100%. I mean, it, it, honestly, it just sounds like the Ducks are trying to find the next Jared Bednar. Yeah. yeah well, it's, that's it's gonna, a, well it's, a, it's a copycat league, man. If something works, people are going to go yeah. after it. True. You know, why not? Why not? Aaron, you got any other nuggets for us, my guy? Um, last thing I got here, I just want to say that, uh, I'm really happy for Keith Jones getting a chance to be president of the Flyers, uh, organization that he ground away for as a player for a while, had a long career in broadcasting, and now he's been officially named president of hockey operations. And the TNT panel was just pouring on the love for him in game two there, you know, talking about like, Hey Jonesy, this is going to be your last series. Like we're really going to miss you and stuff. Like as the game got out of hand, they were just kind of making some chit chat about it and just talking about how good of a broadcaster he was and everything. And it, I'm excited to see what he does with that Philly organization. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. Um, I do think he's going to be, I mean, it is kind of like that old boys club mentality that they love in Philadelphia that, you know, we think Edmonton's fallen, uh, you know, that they've succumbed to over the years. But yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's earned the right to be there for sure. So good for Keith Jones. Nate, you got any, uh, any nuggets for us before we sign up? No, sir. I'm done. Let's get right, out boys. of here. All right, boys. Well, if anybody has a final thought, speak now or forever. Hold your peace. And by forever, I mean until the next podcast. Wonderful. All right, boys. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Beerly Hockey Podcast. For Aaron Kinney and Nate McBride, I'm Phil Razor saying Beerly Hockey. Pairs well with Bruce. Hell of a broadcast, boys. Hell of a broadcast, boys.